skin with the side of my hand If I ever leave, I could learn to miss you But sentimental boy is my nom de plume Let me save you Hold this love All I need ever sleep tonight Did you know it's my favorite time of year? It's actually my favorite day of the year. Really? Yes. The day after the trade deadline, oh, NHL trade deadline, I don't have to hear about all these speculations. Well, different speculations now. But the old set of speculations yeah. and, um, oh, what's the word? Sensationalism. The you know the, At least the topics we've been hearing about for the past four or five weeks are, are now retired. Everyone has their players. Uh, Nationals got a couple new players. There's a lot of interesting things to talk about, but I'm sure glad that a trade deadline is, is coming on. And I lost my freaking hat on trade deadline day. Good. That made it the worst trade deadline day in history, actually, the fact it, that I lost my it hat. It was a brown toque. Like, it was it a brown toque. It wasn't that great. Yeah, but, you know, it made me happy. It worked with your aesthetic. And I, had to, I went to the press game last night. It was the first time I've gone to a press game without that hat on in months. They won, so maybe there's something to yeah. that. <laughs> anyway, how are you doing, George? How's your trade deadline day? Oh, it's great. For those that don't know, I always take the trade deadline day off. Uh, I didn't. I didn't even know that. Oh, no. I, <laughs> this has been a tradition, like, for for me through school, through everything. I've always taken it off just, you know, obviously not when I was in high school and I had no say in the matter, but, wow. you know, I'd call in sick or do whatever I could just so I could sit by my phone. That's dedication. Yeah, and a lot of the times it did not pay off. But yesterday, for once in, like, a half decade, it paid. it paid off. Why do you say that? Because it was great. It was a good, yeah. There was, like, there was probably, like, five or six big trades. I mean, if you can include the last, like, weekend, probably, like, eight or nine. And then fantastic. Yeah, I did, like, I mean, and obviously the big trade, and we'll talk about this in just a minute, but Mark Stone, you know, apparently Vegas, like, called Ottawa, like, a half hour before the <laughs> deadline <laughs> or something like that. I mean, it's, things happened very last minute. And I thought, um, well, I, I, I wouldn't say I ever really thought Nashville was going to do nothing. Mm-hmm. But when I started seeing all the names of the guys that they were supposed to be going after slip away, I thought, well, this will be interesting. And then they made uh, their two their two trades kind of, uh, you know, maybe an hour or so left before the deadline. So, yeah, it, it uh, kept me glued to the, I guess, the insider Twitter. Yeah, I'm a little curious. I, I'd love to know what they, what they offered Vegas or what they offered Ottawa because it seemed that, and I could be mistaken, but as soon as that, as soon as Mark Stone trade was traded, they instantly made that that move for yeah. There for were Randland. there were a few right there in succession. And um, then, I mean Simmons happened not far after, which I think that Grandland one was right on the back burner, and that was like the plan B. Yeah, that was the contingency yeah, plan. I, I agree. I man, that was that's crazy though. I never thought I thought for sure Mark Stone would stay in Ottawa just because I never thought that they would ever trade. I don't think you I, – I, you just never expect a guy that caliber to be moved. I just – yeah, I think in a normal a normal rebuilding team perhaps, but Ottawa is oh. like – I, you know, and I can't criticize them too much. I mean, I know their fans – like I do not envy their fans no. by any means. Every single one of their charismatic, notable players is going. So, you know, from the time they almost made the cup final two years ago, <laughs> except for one overtime goal. But I think that – they have their plan is to burn it down and they've committed to it. I don't quite understand well, I'll never understand 
Pierre Dorian and, and Eugene Malik and their comments, you know, they make the comments that kind of put salt in the wound. You know, this is what I think it was. Um, I don't remember which it was. I think it was Dorian said, this is my proudest day oh, yeah. <laughs> as a member of this organization or whatever. It's like, okay, but you, you just straight away, like, I mean, compare your roster to how, what it was two years ago. And then today, you know, yesterday was like the final dagger in the heart. And then he comes out and says that, you know, all chipper. Oh, my God. I, I, I can't imagine. I'd love for there to be a tell-all book written by, like, co-written by Peter Chiarelli and, and Pierre Dorian, where just they talk about what they thought was good ideas and what their management or what their ownership, rather, yeah. pushed them into doing. And I'm not trying to absolve either of them. Both are terrible general managers and should never work in hockey ever again. But it, you just, especially with Ottawa, you get the feeling that, Maybe Eugene Melnick's out there saying, hey, we can't lose Mark Stone for nothing. Get us something to right. get fans in the door. Yeah. And that's what I think. I mean, I think they did pr- pretty well. It's, this, I think the general consensus is that Ottawa got a good return for Mark Stone. Of course, they – and you and I, I know are a little skeptical, and we'll get into that, but, you know, they got essentially the the league's kind of most promising defensive prospect. And that's, I think – I, I would bet Nashville was a pretty – I, I I don't know, strong contender might be the wrong phrase, but I think they were definitely seriously going after Stone, and the fact that Ottawa ended up with Branstrom makes me think that they just didn't have, Nashville just doesn't have a defensive prospect that they could offer or even mm-hmm. a combination. So I think, I don't think Nashville really could have gotten Stone based on what they wanted. The thing is, is that, as you and I agree on, prospects are a very risky thing to do for to trade for a a known quantity when you know that quantity is, I mean, among the best in the league. I think Mark Stone has been recognized at least recently, if not prior to, that he's one of the best two-way forwards in the league right now. He has more impact in both ends of the ice than essentially any other winger. I mean, you talk about other forwards of that caliber, you're talking like Crosby. You know, these are the names that are mentioned. Bergeron, Selkie quality players. You know, that's who you're talking about. So I think in that sense, it's pretty eye-opening to trade that for. I mean, there are a couple other pieces involved, but essentially, I mean, yeah, essentially it's Brownstrom for for Stone. I would say Oscar Lindbergh isn't really a player by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> and then a second-round pick that's from Dallas, like hello, so yeah, it's gonna be a mid-second-round pick. Yeah, I, I don't know about that one. I I can't. Granted, I really like Eric Brandstrom as a prospect, but I can't right. believe they didn't get a first-round pick out of it, even a conditional one. Yeah, and when you're talking about, again, Nashville didn't really have a defensive prospect to offer, certainly not a Brandstrom's quality, but, you know, what we what we were hearing was a Fiala Tolvanen in two picks, you know? Yeah. So it, I was well, – I definitely raised my eyebrows when I saw that it was, it was a prospect uh, kind of mm-hmm. medi- very mediocre at best roster player and a, and a second-round pick. So my first thought was, man, Nashville probably could have beaten that. But then, again, if Ottawa was really committed to a defensive player, then no, I guess they couldn't have. Yeah, I, I mean, now they have they have probably the best left side as far as prospects go with Thomas Shabbat and uh, and Eric Brandstrom. Although, yeah, I, I think Brandstrom's gonna be great. I don't think he was enough though. And there's, you know, it's just always a question mark. And we talk about these are I think these are players of different calibers, but you talk about Ellie Tolden, who and again he hasn't really devel- he hasn't been able to develop too much, but you talk about a record setting KHL player mm-hmm. and then to come over and have a few shots 
at an NHL roster. And again, he's still developing. I'm not, you know, passing judgment on Tolvanen, but you can't. It's so hard to judge prospects accurately. You can you can get a gauge of what you know, kind of what range they'll be in and, and where in a roster they'll end up being, where in a lineup. But it's very hard to gauge actual production. And so to trade a player of Stone of Stone's caliber for even a very high level prospect, I think is is risky, but you know, they're not all going to be slam dunks. Ottawa, I really did not want to risk losing Stone for nothing, which I can obviously understand. Yeah, I think one of the other things we've kind of let go by the wayside here is that Mark Stone and uh, and Ottawa had been in ongoing negotiations for like months at this point, <coughs> and Vegas got it settled in three hours. Right. Like, I don't even think it was three hours, but I mean, and he signed to a good deal, $9.5 yeah, million. That was, is like the exact amount that I thought he was worth. That's funny because that I think that's what really set it, kind of made it sink in for me that I was really disappointed that Nashville couldn't end up with them. Is like, okay, you see Stone traded for you know the, the league's best defensive prospect, but then to find out that he's also signing an extension and he could have made more, probably could have made more money, you know, immediately signs that extension. Oh, yeah, yeah, that stings a little bit. He, he probably left a good million dollars off the table by not going in free agency, but but you know we talk about for Nashville, it was very. No one wanted to lose, I think especially, well, I don't know. I was I was perhaps a little biased because I'm a big, I am a big fan of Kevin Fiala personally, mm-hmm. but I, no one wanted to lose, especially the first-round pick or Tolvanen for a rental. So to see them not get the player and then that player not be a rental anyways, it stinks. But, um, I mean, no one's going to be Vegas so in the West, right? So <laughs> uh, Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. That's a tall order right now. I don't know. I mean, I wasn't really upset about the Sharks being like the second team and having to face Vegas in the first round. I thought it was going to be tricky. I thought it was going to probably go six games, but now I'm now it's probably going to go five games for yeah. Vegas. <laughs> uh, That's not fair, is it? It's just really. No. I mean, it's well, it's just good management. Like this, team, yeah, it like, really is. But no one's allowed to have good management. Yeah. Everyone's management sucks. Well, some people might argue that George Ringfee isn't good because he traded away Martin Erat for for a prospect. Yes, which, he did. He did indeed. Which, hey, maybe this is the same thing. Maybe he just traded away Philip Forsberg for Martin Erat, except th- for this time. Except we Martin Erat's good this time. <laughs> Martin Erat is incredibly good. But you're right. I mean, that's it. Maybe that Brandstrom is the next. I don't know, Eric Carlson. Yeah, but now, now we have to question: Who do you want on your team? Mark Stone, or Eric Carlson? That's a good question. Because I could. If I mean, you're trying to win right now, I'd rather have a of age Mark Stone than a. Yeah. Crossbody across. Oh yeah. Well, oh, of course. Yeah. I. I mean, if we're both talking twenty or twenty nine years yeah. old, then it's. It does suck for Branstrom though, because now he has to, you know, be traded at the deadline in seven years. Oh yeah. From Ottawa. Well, <laughs> that's seven years. I mean, because he's currently on his uh, his NHL deal since he's in the A. Mm-hmm. Which I, I imagine he's got to be happy about, you know, burning those years up. That's man. Speaking of, I. This is just an aside. This is nothing to do with the trade. But I was actually impressed by the McDavid plus Oilers. And I say speaking of because to talk about wasting an NHL career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were going to just be unwatchable. And I figured Nashville would be kind of equally unwatchable but just because that's how it's been lately. But Dreisaitl was incredible. Oh, yeah. Nugent Hopkins had some nice possessions. So they still have, I mean, they still have some nice they're not, players. They're not totally bad. I was obviously upset that. I didn't get to watch McDavid play. That's the reason. They're, I, I mean, apologize, Preds fans, but that is the reason I circled that one on the calendar. I mean, they're not a one-man team. They're they're a three-man team. Right. Like, yeah. Kind of a. I mean, I like I like uh, Clefbaum. I like Darnell Nurse. 
I don't know if I'd pay $60 to go watch them. You know um, what I also noticed? I don't know if I'd pay $60 to go watch Dreisaitl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he made that, it that, the last aside. night, two goals. Um, I love the the hunchback that Milan Lucic is. He has he has oh, an yeah. interesting dude. He's kind of a kind of a goblin dude. Yeah, he just hunched over. I thought I genuinely thought he was going to come kill Forsberg after Forsberg. And I I've seen debatability on on the intention watching that. And it kind it of looks you may really if you're weird. listening to this you may have no idea what I'm talking about because it kind of slipped through the cracks. But Forsberg turns the puck over in the defensive zone, and then kind of. Scoots back and waits a couple seconds and then just lines some. I don't remember who he hit. He no. lined somebody up and just went in. And I thought it was he was really trying to go knee to knee, or at least it, when he realized he was going to miss the body check, he went knee to knee. I mean, at best, I think it was a really bad charge. That was, was ugly. I was going to say, I think, yeah, I don't. It, it looks weird from like every. If you look at like how he positions his feet, it mm-hmm. looks like he puts his feet wrong like I no I know what you mean it's a it's just bizarre but in real time I I thought yeah. I thought I mean and and one of the a couple I mean, of the Oilers players were kind of sniffing around him as he skated off yeah. and he's lucky that Johansson was kind of in the way for a few of them but well if you go out past behavior we do know that you know Phil Forsberg can make some questionable hits I was, you know a lot of people say and I'm not I don't know I just don't think that you can ignore it if it's your player I think that's unfair um, mm. But I did see a lot of people saying, you know, oh, you know, it's sound really like Forsberg. I'm like, eh, he's shown me a few flashes of, of yeah. a bit of a mean streak. He can kind of goon it up. Like, I think he just is a very, honestly, I think Forsberg has a, quite an ego. And when things aren't really going his way, when he's not possessing the puck <laughs> like he wants to, he's not making the shots he wants to, he gets a little upset and takes it out physically. And there are some guys that are like, if I'm not contributing one way, I'm going to contribute in another. Yeah. And I generally, I had... I'm not gonna say Forsberg's a dirty player, but no, 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 I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. He he can make some of, dirty plays. He reminds me of myself. It's like I'm really quite level-headed, and then occasionally I just you know, yeah. you snap a little bit. Yeah, which happens when I play hockey. It's and you just have to remember that when I play hockey, it, I'm just you know. When you I'm snap, paying, you fall over. I'm paying to play that, you know. <laughs> so I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna let my temper get ahead of me. Anyhow, back to trades. What were some other uh, big moves? Walk us through the day. So the Florida Panthers traded a traded Derek Broussard and a sixth round pick, a conditional sixth round pick, for a third round pick. So the Avalanche get Derek Broussard, and the Panthers get a third. Why does this matter? Because they're shedding salary for who? Temi Panarin, and probably Sergei Bobrovsky. Yeah, like yeah, that's right. Because they were mentioned as when when Bobrovsky and Panarin. Are now well. They're now under the same agency group. Yeah. So uh, that same was, agent. Oh, sorry, the same actual agent. So the of course the rumor now is that they're going to end up as a package deal somewhere in Florida. As you're pointing out, they're kind of one of the few teams. Well, apparently Panarin wants to play on, on the coast. I don't. That's a weird thing, to be a rumor, but I guess yeah. that's true. It just kind of sounds like he wanted to be like he wanted to play in a city that wasn't Columbus, yeah, was which <laughs> wasn't in Ohio. I, if I was a millionaire from like yeah. The coldest part of Russia. Yeah, I probably wouldn't <laughs> want to play in a place if that. If I had an opportunity to, to go play in Miami, yeah, yeah, probably would take that. There's a ton of Russians that like make their homes in Miami and like in Florida in general. Which Florida is a huge, just like tourism destination from other like from people yeah. of other countries, and which is always interesting to me because I mean, I guess it's where most of the Southeast U.S. vacations to, but it's not like uh, I don't know. if, if I, I was a millionaire, I could travel anywhere in the world. I don't know, Florida. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. These are also people that want to go to L.A., so can we really trust them? That's true. That's something I'll never understand. Yeah. 
anyhow, thoughts on, uh, I mean, what they lost. Do you think it's worth the potential to pick up? <laughs> yeah, if you if you have an it's like Mark Stone. If you have an opportunity to pick up yeah. Artemi Panarin, I don't care what you have to do. Yeah, I mean, I was I was more than happy to offer a similar package for Stone yeah. and Panarin. I think that Florida is an interesting team to me because when I've watched I've watched Florida play five or six games I think this year, and mm-hmm. every game they won that I've watched, and every game they've looked incredibly impressive. Mm-hmm. So it's bizarre to me that they're like a perpetual underperformer. And when you watch them play, I don't really know what they're missing. I've seen a good third and fourth line. I guess so, but I've seen you know their defense is decent. They're, they they yeah. can get a save. The, the games I'm watching, they were getting saves. I don't know if that's a common thing or I not. I mean, the longer goes down, somewhat often, which yeah. which hurts. But yeah, I so, I don't know. I I think their biggest issue is that they have no third and fourth line. And they're lucky because Barkov and Trocek are in, like, the prime of their lives. Yes. And so they can play them for 40 to 45 minutes a night. <laughs> I mean, people people didn't yeah. really talk about it because of McDavid, but there was a point where Barkov was averaging 24 minutes a night. Good grief. Yeah. I mean, again, he's, like, 22 or 23. I think he was our year for the draft, which, yeah, yeah. I think he's 23 then. And he, he, he's great. He's yeah. bona fide. I think so. I don't know. Is, is Florida? How, how do we feel about Florida if they end up with Bobrovsky and Panarin? I mean, pretty much instantly a, a con, not, maybe not a contender, yeah, but like a, say, a, a good contender. team. That's good. I hope they do that. Yeah, I do. Hope I, I there's hope a lot too. of Eastern teams I get to kind of like pull for because yeah. you, know, you know I don't care what they do in the playoffs. I, I've always pulled for the Florida teams, and I pull for you know I pull for the Panthers because I like I like Pavel Bury and yeah. That's where he went. I like the Lightning because they had some sweet, sweet uniforms. <laughs> still do. Yeah, still. Also, by the way, if you're Nikita Kucherov, how do you not just ask like our time Panarin to take a one-year deal, like yeah. one-year, like two million dollar, and just be like, hey, let's run this. Come win the cup, yeah. then you can go make your yeah. money. But I guess that would be collusion or probably something. So. I think that would, yeah, probably raise some. I don't know what the rules are on that. I, mean, I don't know. I, think I would assume it's kind of the players' well, I mean, prerogative to take no money if they want to win a cup, but I don't know. I guess that this this transitions well into our next trade, where the Sharks traded a uh, for a new for Gustav Nyquist. Yeah, which was another name that I think I was sort of thrown around for Nashville. It was. Uh, they traded a second round pick and a conditional third round pick, not this year, but next year. And I like Nyquist. I don't. He's not as good as he's been this year, and quite frankly, I'm not necessarily sure how much he moves the needle. But he's a good power play presence, and uh, I think he's going to do well on the third line with Joe Thornton and Kevin LeBanc. Uh, yeah, but it, I don't know if you saw the photo, but like hours before the trade, but after the game, there's a picture of Eric Carlson. And, yeah, I did see and that. And someone yeah. else talking to him about like coming to the team. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he announces that he doesn't want to go anywhere else but San Jose. Yeah. You're like, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. That 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 seems suspicious. I can't blame him. Um, if Eric Carlson approached. Person yeah, in the hallway yeah. was like, "Hey, come get paid to hang out with me." I'd probably do it. Yeah, I, I mean, now he's in San Jose. Yes, when he was in Ottawa, right? Like, fair, ah, enough, fair enough. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So what? I'm honestly surprised. And they, I mean, Detroit got, I think, two picks back for Nyquist. I'm surprised Detroit's not doing more. I don't know yeah. how many. I mean, they've got some decent assets. I guess I assume they kind of want to hang on to Larkin yeah. to build around. Um, I don't think they're quite willing to just totally burn it down. Mm-hmm. And they've got what, Athanasiu's got some. He's got. He's okay. He's he's, he, he's also like twenty three. Like yeah. He's he's still young enough that you kind of want to hold on to him just yeah. in case. 
I'm just surprised. I think, I mean, they still have a ridiculously expensive roster for a team that needs to be rebuilding. I'm very confused by. If I remember correctly, like all, I think they lose like ten or fifteen million dollars in cap, like after this year. I'm sure they do. I I didn't look too much into it. I just saw that they're still at the top of like the most expensive roster in the league right now, and just for what? Maybe I was wrong. Uh, They, the only player they lose is Thomas Vanek at three million dollars this year, which I think they'll probably sign. Cronwall is coming off. But that's the thing. They'll lose 4.7 with Cronwall. He said that he wants to come back, which is probably going to be a much lesser deal. Yeah. Then you'll have... Jimmy Howard. Yeah, Jimmy Howard, 5.929. I'm surprised they didn't move on from Jimmy Howard. And that's a player that I thought that the Sharks should probably go after. The big issue is they still have... Well, long-term injury reserve is Johan Franz in a 3.9. And then Henrik Zetterberg at 6 for the next three years after this one. Oh. Yeah, so again, I saw I saw Nyquist's name thrown around with Nashville. It's funny because I really like. Maybe you're different. Maybe you saw something I didn't, but I did not see Granlund really even mentioned. Like until like the day before. Yeah, like, like and even then, he was traded within like twenty four hours of it being a rumor. Apparently, Paul Fenton owes David Poyle a big one. Well, not anymore, but I don't. I, th- I gather from the Minnesota group, Minnesota mm-hmm. fans that I've encountered online that they are really not happy with Paul Fenton. And I maybe, you know, coming from Nashville as the assistant GM and then picking up a bunch of Nashville's kind of leftovers, mm-hmm. obviously feel not a leftover, but I think that they f- they feel like they were really fleeced for Grandland. I think it's an interesting move for Minnesota because I don't really know if Minnesota has an identity. I don't know if they really know what they're pulling for right now or what their goal is. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're a playoff team pretty regularly. Yeah, but they don't do much once they're there, so I don't know. It's always tricky because in my, in my like, armchair perspective of it, I think that teams, you're either a cup contender or you're a rebuild. I just don't understand the point of oh. being, like, kind of good. You have, like, the MLB, like, right. perspective. And I understand that it's different once you're in the room, but teams like Minnesota just puzzle me because I'm like, I mean – they, tr- you know, they're like arguably a, a playoff team in the Central, mm-hmm. but they're trading Groundland, who's like a win now kind of guy for Fiala, who's a win in a few years kind of guy. So, I don't know. I think, I, I, so I'll, I'll try to put this in a little bit of perspective. I do think the Paul Fenton is the new GM. He was he's only been around for this year, so we can't really assign the the blame for that's the last fair. couple of seasons. Yeah, to that's him. Fair. That was all done by Chuck Fletcher, the now GM of Philadelphia. I think that he, you know, quote-unquote, made his bed, and it was just kind of like, well, this is the roster I've assembled. The, the core is locked in. I yeah. mean, I don't think there's any way you can trade Suter no, or Brise. So and I do think Suter has quite a bit of value still, but at the deal he's on, yeah. you just couldn't get any. Like, you would have to trade prospects with him. And, uh, yeah, now, now they're still underneath. I mean, because I think that, I think that Suter and Priest still have like three or four years left on those deals. Yeah. You can't get out from under them. And so Fenton's trying to get younger at this ball well, at the same time is hamstrung at doing it. Yeah. Because I, I think he wants to rebuild. I think that he wants to make over the roster in his own image, but I'm not necessarily certain that he has all the tools to do so. And why, I don't know. No criticism to the guy personally, but Potato. Yeah, a that's one. a. That's a very weird pickup. I remember someone someone said that they wanted they would have traded an extra pick for it to get Potato back and I'm like, mm. no, like they're I don't know how Poyle feels about him but you gotta 
Lavilla played him too much. You gotta you gotta take away the toys from the from the coaching <laughs> times. Yeah, and you know Beteta is obviously a very popular guy in the locker room, which Lavilla has shown that sort of matters in his roster decisions, at least mm. from what I can see. Anyhow, let's. Uh, I thought I thought McLeod was brought in for a skill. Oh God, we're not gonna talk about this. <laughs> I think we've talked about it. I think McLeod is always a good have we topic. even had have we had a podcast? Since no, we then? haven't. It's been like a month, dude. Jeez, I know. Well, what's our well, our official verdict on McLeod is bad. <laughs> yeah. uh, official ber- verdict on Boyle is okay. Yeah, <laughs> first second round pick, eh, eh, a little too much, but yeah. eh, you know, it's fine. There he's, are worse I players. Think he's, he's fit in quite well. Yeah, he's had a couple goals. A second round pick for a fourth line player. It's a little much. You're trying to win now. I don't care. I guess, to be fair, though, they traded a first-round pick for Ryan Hartman, who they repeatedly played yeah. in the fourth line. So, hey. There have been a few examples of that. And McLeod's another one. I mean, I recognize that the chances of a seventh-round pick being worth anything in the NHL are very, very slim. Yeah. But the fact that they waive him for nothing and then a year later turn around and give something for him, yeah. just that shows some short-sightedness. And the, oh. the Hartman thing, I mean, I think that Simmons is a, is a decent return for Hartman in a pick. Do you uh, want to get into it? Yeah, I mean, well, well, we need to because we, yeah. we have to talk about. It. Yeah, why don't you? Uh, you were, uh, you know, we we broke up the two trades between us for articles. So why don't you talk about yours, which is Simmons for Hartman? Simmons for Hartman. Well, uh, if if you don't mind, I'm actually going to use the hockey viz chart that you have on yours. Shout Please. out to Michael Blake McCurdy, he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Wayne Simmons is, well, what what can we say about him? He's a power forward. He's about 30 years old. Going to turn 31 in the off season. And is making three point nine seven five million dollars per year. Now that's not a bad deal for him, but if you notice, he actually is going to need a new deal after this year, which is a little scary because he's a power forward who makes a lot of his money in front of the net and the dirty areas. And uh, yeah, he's over thirty, which is really not good. There is a very very solid set expiration date for those kind of players, and it wavers for nothing. Um, so when we look at Wayne Simmons and we have all that in mind, let's look at his performance. According to Mike Blake McCurdy, he his uh, his five on five offense in the offensive zone rather is a negative four compared to league average. A little concerning considering that the biggest thing that he brings to a team is offense. Uh, the big issue for me, and I'm sure you can speak differently, Michael, if you wish, but there's a whole lot of blue in front of the net. I was going to say that when I think of Wayne Simmons, I think of basically screen, goalie screens and picking up rebounds and that sort of thing. And, and like you're pointing out, over the course of his um, career, I guess, yeah, this is over his whole career, so 730 games yeah. uh, have been tracked here on HockeyViz.com. And, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of blue right in front of the goalie crease, which is really where you'd want him to be. Uh, you'd expect that area to be red with a player like Simmons. Yeah. And then his defense is plus three compared to – Average, but that's like that's so little compared to, especially considering he's not a defensively oriented guy. Uh, here, while I talk about Seth, you might bring it up just his this season. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, unfortunately, well, yeah, unfortunately, uh, at five on five, Simmons is a negative player, I believe, at the moment, not not counting in the game that is tonight, Tuesday. Uh, he currently has a 47.14% Corsi, 46.37% shot share, a 40.63 goal share, but that has a lot to do with his uh, with his goaltending in the carousel. I believe there's been eight so far in Philadelphia. Yeah. 
Um, and then his uh, 49.42% high danger chance share. Now, the good news is that he starts in the defensive zone, or in the offensive zone, rather, 46.47% of the time. But what's a little bit, but what's not really good is the fact that all these numbers are worse relative to what the Flyers are without him. The Flyers are actually a positive Corsi team, a positive shot share team, and a positive high danger chance share team when he's not on the ice. That's just not something you want to see. You want to you want a player to be an impact, especially in that high danger area. Um, the good news is is that uh, he actually is producing some decent numbers. He has forty nine uh, high danger chances on his own, which was about ten more than Hartman had. But otherwise, he's getting killed compared to what Hartman produced as far as shots and shot attempts, and even uh, scoring chances. At five on five, this is really a wash, or if not a wash, a little bit of a loss. But what Simmons does bring to the table that Hartman didn't is his power play presence. And if you go and look on HockeyViz, I believe with Simmons on the ice, so for 188 minutes, the threat is 16% or 16 percentage points above league average. And there's a big, big, big red area in front of the net. That's really good to see. I mean, because that's, that's what the Predators are lacking. They're lacking a net front presence that can actually play. Um, no offense to Arvidsson or Boyle, but... Well, and Boyle, I mean, I guess what they'll probably do is split, is have Simmons on one unit and Boyle on the other, because Boyle has been quite effective, I think. I mean, they've had a few goals from directly, maybe not on the power play, but definitely for Boyle screening the goalie. That's allowed Subban to get a couple of those bombs that he likes to shoot. Yeah. So it's it's a proven strategy. It just needs to translate over to the power play. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I'm a little concerned about is that with when Simmons is on the ice, they typically have power play one, which is... Jacob Voracek and Claude Giroux, who are both extremely good on the power play. I mean, Voracek himself is like a wizard. He's probably one of the best in the entire league. And so I'm a little concerned that maybe Simmons might have been getting carried, but just from the eye test, I think we can say that he's been doing very well and that he has led to uh, he has led to some of the success that Philadelphia's had on the power play. And you can actually even see that just in his uh, per 60 stats too. On the power play, he has the eighth most uh, scoring chances per 60 minutes played and then has the second most uh, high danger chances per 60 right behind John Tavares. So, you know, maybe he's not getting the puck himself or maybe he the puck's just not getting to him because of what Simmons is doing, but when he has the puck, he is making use of it. So, I don't know. I mean, you're losing out at five on five, but you're, you're winning at the power play, which is something the Predators desperately need. And... I would have liked to see more from Hartman on the power play, but for whatever reason, they just they thought Nick Benino of all people was the answer there. So they really never cared to give Hartman a shot no. at really any level. Um, they really screwed him up. They basically just wasted a year of his life for no yeah. reason. Yeah, he hopefully had fun living in Nashville. You know, whatever. I think he has. Does he have family down here? I uh, think he might. He's from Hilton's Head, South Carolina. Yes, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that. Well, he, he was born in I think North, South Carolina, and then he moved to Chicago, I'm pretty sure, when he was still... In like three, yeah. yeah. I think he has family in, like, Alabama. Gotcha. Yeah, I think yeah. that's right. So, I, I don't know. Maybe I hope he had fun. I like Ryan Hartman a lot. Yeah. I, I've always... I will always kind of feel bad for that. I hope that... I mean, I, I, he, he already scored a night, I believe, for Philadelphia, so... Oh, I also forgot to mention, uh, guess who has more points at 5-on-5 five five out of the two? I hope it's not Hartman. Oh, jeez. Hartman is. has, like, four more points. Oh, man. But, granted... I think there Simmons has like one more primary point, but yeah, still like he I don't know Simmons also 
Well, while we can talk about how Hartman played fourth line minutes, Simmons has mostly played third line minutes throughout through the season. So, but you know, it's mostly because he's just been getting shellacked at five on five. Yeah, as, as those numbers proved. I was I I don't know. I'm not upset about Simmons by any means. I think it as long as they don't extend him. Right. Unless yeah, it's extremely... I would. I would really. I'd really don't feel like Simmons needs to get an extension here, but. Yeah. I think it's it was always, you know, this has been rumored for pretty much all year, the Simmons to Nashville thing. Yeah. And I never really got it. I mean, I thought that Boyle would kind of scratch that itch for, yeah. for Boyle and company, but the loss isn't bad. I mean, the loss in Hartman is bad, but the loss in Hartman, that they the way they were using him, I don't think will actually really matter. He was basically just kind of, an afterthought for this lineup, which is really bizarre. Yeah, because oh, he's a good player. He, I think so. He's he's got speed. He's got skill. He knows where to get in dangerous areas. He's got a bit of physicality to him, and they traded a first round pick for him, and then they just buried him. So that I mean, was always puzzling to me. Maybe he was bad in the room. That's. I don't know. It, it looked like he was always having a good time. He was smiling yeah, on the bench. Yeah, laughing. And, yeah, that was. But that's a, how you know people aren't taking the game seriously. Oh right, that's I did how, see that about Fiala actually. That he was oh, one really? of the reasons that he's he's uh, somewhat demonized this year is that he he was he's frequently seen kind of joking around on the bench while they're losing. Which to be fair, I think they've been losing pretty much all year. So, well, I yeah, I I don't know about that. Um, all I know is that. If Fiala could, he would probably bring the storm surge to Nashville, and we can't have oh, that. No. I don't want to copy anyone, but the storm surge is pretty damn cool. Yeah. On that note, uh, as long as you've made your piece about Simmons and Harmon. Yeah, Simmons is not as good as Harmon at 5-on-5, five five, but better in the power play. Yeah. I think that's about that covers about it. Pretty much what you need. Yeah. So, of course, the other, I'd, I'd argue, the much bigger trade of the day. Uh, wow. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you assigned, you gave me the Fiala trade. You, you didn't even ask for it. Uh, yes, Kevin Fiala for Meek, and I would say I would just say Michael Granlund. So apparently that's wrong. It's Mikael, 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 Mikael. Should I change my name? <laughs> Finish my Mikael. Granlund. Mikael. Wait. Granlund is as as I would well henceforth refer to him. Yeah. Uh, straight up, the trade is one for one, as they say in the biz. This was an interesting one because, as I mentioned before, I hadn't seen a whole lot about Granlund beforehand. Uh, and Fiala, somewhat heartbreakingly, it sounds like even like yesterday morning, was making comments about how the team was, they were learning from their mistakes and they were really happy to have a they were you know, family. Yeah. They, uh, so that's kind of interesting because Fiala was definitely a name that was being thrown around. Um, I think that. Cloud. <laughs> Lord. Maybe Fenton. Well, he's a former Predator, so Fenton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he, li- he only likes Fen only likes players that were on the Milwaukee Admirals. Oh, okay. Anyhow, uh, so I think the big victory for the Predators, other than I think making two, you know, I think they made smart choices with who they had available. Um, but the, I think the big victory for them is that they didn't lose that draft pick or Ellie Tolvanen, who still I guess is still a bit of a question mark, but they're obviously still expecting quite a bit from him. And I had heard, you know, you hear, it's so funny when, this is what I mean when I don't miss trade deadline, like in the locker room at Barely Games or obviously on Twitter, suddenly mm-hmm. everyone knows somebody who knows something. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, my buddy, he knows somebody in the organization. This is actually said to me. 
Uh, a friend of mine knows somebody in the organization who says that uh, Poyle is retiring very soon, which I think is probably reasonable. Um, and therefore, he doesn't actually care about the future, and he wants to win a cup while he's still in charge. So he's going to – he's told and everyone's gone. Everyone's going to be gone for someone. So that was the rumor that I heard at Beer League. No, I don't, don't know about that. Don't turtles live like 100 years plus? Like, Wow. Like, yeah. Nice. You can slip that one in there. Yeah, this is pretty casual. Good. Normally you have a you know stupid grin on your face like before I you make right a joke. Out. Now you only yeah you made it after the joke. Anyhow, God, I'm great. All that said, they lose Fiala. Now Fiala was I think I I referred to him in in the upcoming article and I've referred to him before as as Nashville's primary developing talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, 22 years old, showing some obviously some fra- flashes of brilliance. Um, he had a forty-point season. He was pretty. Yeah, nothing to sneeze. I still think he's capable of eighty. I uh, think he will yeah. have an eighty-point season in his career. Book well, it with the way that scoring is going. You might yeah. be right. <laughs> Kucherov too coming right <laughs> up. <laughs> well then, well Kucherov was a second-round pick, and oh, Fial was a first-round. So true. if anything, we think eleventh overall or something. Fial has got to be better, right? So anyhow, what do they get back? Um, well, first of all, what do they lose? So Fiala, like I said. Flash is a brilliance, not really sustained. Um, he was. This was mentioned. I th- I'm assuming this was the 31 Thoughts podcast, and I'm going to try to say this in a way that doesn't totally confuse everyone. There are. I think there are five players that enter the offensive zone with possession 75 percent or more of the time, mm-hmm. and there are I think seven players who exit the defensive zone with possession 75 percent of the time. There is one player in the league who does both. Kevin freaking Fiala. So oh. that man is a transi- zone transition monster. And I know that people listening to this will roll their eyes if they've listened to us talk before because we harp on that all the time. But I think when you have a player who is, like, league best at a possession metric, that is definitely worth mentioning. Well, even, la- like, last year he was top 100 as far as high danger chances created yeah. per 60. And then I also want to say, like, scoring chances created yeah. per 60. Which brings me back as Nashville's primary developing talent. I think that he will – he's also the only player on the roster, as I've said before, I think that is not getting worse over time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It's a weird way to say it, but I th- all of Nashville's roster is currently at its peak or declining, I think. Okay, I agree. And that's – except for Kevin Fiala was the only exception of, of the, you know, consistently rostered players. I think he was the only player that was going to get better over time, yeah. uh, considerably at least. So that sounds like an awful, awfully high price to pay. And yes, you're pointing out his his comparisons to a certain Philip Forsberg, and he's just miles better in terms of zone transitions. Even shots and per shot six, contributions. Well, he has less shot shots per sixty by like four percentiles, but his shot assists are just incredible. I mean, and what is this? This is over three year. Yeah, this is this the is a three year. Well, I'm glad you said past three years because I'm going to use past three year data in just a minute. Let's do this. Let's talk about him and Granlund. So yeah, basically. Fiala had really he was a very polarizing figure for Predators fans this year uh, he turns the puck over a lot and I can understand how that's frustrating obviously the other player that gets chastised for that is P.K. Subban the other most polarizing player of, among National Predators players fans really don't like turnovers it's funny it's like that is that is really like the one thing that will get the big groan from the entire building missed shots Going like you and I point out players that go down way too early trying to block the you know the pass or whatever it's yeah. like all these things no one really reacts but God forbid you turn the puck over 
It's it's brutal, which is funny because the one thing I will say is that turnovers should also include dump-ins, which Fiala never does because he is incredible at zone transitions. I was going to say, I thought that was a good time to mention to mention your uh, evergreen tweet. The, which is? Which is? Oh, the, uh, the dump-ins should count as... Oh, yes, as dump-ins. I, I will always say that until it f- hopefully finally happens, that if you dump the puck into the offensive zone, minus one, turnover. Yeah, I like it. Because that's essentially what it is. It's a toss-up. Occasionally it works. but and, occa- and I think there are players that do it specifically when they know it will work, but there are a lot of players who just do it because they're under pressure and they don't have another option. And Fiala, for whatever reason, was very good at maintaining possession of the puck. And not only maintaining possession, but bringing it across the blue line. Right. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. And we have, we have quantifiable data that suggests that with conclusive results over a huge sample size that... He does that better than pretty much anyone. Oh, yeah, but also bringing, bringing the puck over the blue line with possession... Oh, I see. ...results in a shot, yes. like... Results in an unblocked shot attempt over double. Yeah. I think it's I like think point, point six, like... Or, yeah, it's like it creates point six uh, unblocked shot attempts. That's something that I'm always surprised, and I'm surprised myself, too, and I don't even know if I can really consider myself a member of the analytics community. I'm more of a fan of the analytics community. But they're, I don't think that they do enough to explain why we care about certain things. So, like, you're pointing out, okay, why do we care about maintaining possession across the blue line? Well, because you can show that there is some correlation. Correlation does not equal causation, George. No. And I will warn the listener, that's a, a, an important... Uh, I, I took Psych 101. Okay, I know. <laughs> but yeah, if, if you can find, I mean, that's where these, that's why these analytics departments are so high demand and, and being paid a lot of money is because you could figure, if you can figure out which, which on ice activities lead to kind of the result. So the goal, and that's why I don't like to use goals and assists and points and plus mm-hmm. minus and all that as my metric, because that's like a, a symptom. You know, yeah, I it's it's and I'm certainly not the person to figure this out, but it's a lot more effective to look at causes of the symptom, what leads to goals rather than because it's easier to tell a player, okay, next time you cross the zone into the offensive zone, maintain it, don't dump it in, try to carry it over. It's a lot easier to say that than okay, go score a goal. You know, yeah, it makes a lot more sense. Anyhow, so all that said, Kevin Fiala was, I mean, in some respects, a truly elite player. Yeah, um, which is makes me kind of miss him and, and hope that. What they get in return is a good deal, and and it's funny that Minnesota is really upset, and I get it. Granlin is kind of a, a staple of that offense, so I can under, and Fiala is a relatively unknown quantity if you're not a Predators fan. Granlin's not a bad player. He's still in the 77, 77th percentile for possession entries per yeah. sixty, and granted, he falls a little bit as far as the possession exits per sixty into the forty fifth percentile, but like those aren't bad numbers over three years, like. It could be a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what I... produces many shots and only produces one percentile's worth yeah. more shot assists. Mm. So it's... I think what I saw this referred to as previously, and I think it's, there's some truth to this, as you said about the Simmons trade, it's kind of a wash. I think this is more of a wash than the Hartman Simmons trade. I think, like you pointed out, the Simmons trade is more of a downgrade five-on-five. Five. Mm. This Fiala-Granlin trade is more of a, like, you're getting basically... Six of one, half a dozen of the other at five on five. Granlin will produce more on the power play. I mean, I do think Granlin has a better shooting talent, which is as this is an imp- you know kind of a, a lesson I've learned this year is like you know we talk about shooting percentages a lot and mm-hmm. the fact that they tend to fall. But what I don't think about often is how valuable it is to have a player that can maintain a very high shooting yeah. percentage. I mean, there is some skill involved in that. Um, 
well, there's a lot of skill involved in that. So, yeah, if, if, if Graylin is a sniper, and that's, I mean, I would argue that's something Nashville really needs. So what I found is, like I said, I went over the past three seasons, and I've only just started this. I haven't gone too into it. So I only have uh, shot attempts, unblocked shot attempts, and high danger chances at 5-on-5. Five five. And I did this. Uh, both players have about 200 games of sample size for this. And Fiala is actually the better player in terms of shot attempts and unblocked shot attempts uh, percentage. So relative to the other team, this actually might be a downgrade. Um, high danger chances, though, Granlin's actually a pretty considerable jump over Fiala. So really? he's producing fewer shot attempts, but with those he produces, he's he's doing better at making them from dangerous areas. And I think that if you've watched Fiala play this season, I don't know if that would surprise you because his big concern has been basically carrying, maintaining possession of the puck once he's in the offensive zone. I think that we've all noticed he's a little weaker on the puck than perhaps we'd like him to be. Yeah, which is fine. Again, I think that was something that will improve over time, but uh, Nashville doesn't have really patience. They don't have time to be patient, and they need to win right now. Which I get. And what I found, too, is that uh, Greenland was being used at a considerably against considerably higher quality competition. Mm-hmm. So He was also playing with Miko Koivu, who I've apparently been one of the number, horn, number one horn blowers in, in Nashville for, which came as a shock to me because I just a lot of people in the Alex community like him yeah he's probably one of the best defensive players not named Bergeron probably the best like maybe maybe Barkov now if you go up and look at his uh his heat maps the last couple years like the dude's incredible Mm -hmm. he should have won he should have he should have a selkie at this point and I a lot of people say that Granlin's a center he hasn't played center in three years yeah and I think that I do think that he's made some positive contributions on the back end but I think Koivu was doing the heavy lifting. That's interesting. And then I saw it, and I've kind of, over the past year, I've really tried to focus a lot of my analysis on quality of competition. I think I would assume that that's a very important piece of context. But then Mm -hmm. I read, uh, I believe it was actually Mike Blake McCurdy of HockeyViz, who we've been using quite a bit this episode, who showed that that's really not actually that important in terms of Right. In terms of contextualizing performance, quality of competition is not nearly as important as quality of teammates. Yeah. So you might be pointing something out there. But that I did think was interesting. That was the only place where there's a, like a considerable gap between the two players is that Fiala has been used against lower quality competition over the past three years than Groundland. But, of course, there's the special teams, which right now is Nashville's kind of number one problem. I would say depth scoring is number two, and yeah. only only number two because of how bad the power play is. It's uh, power plays are so fleeting to me that I don't focus a lot on them. But when it's dead last in the league by quite a margin, I think that's worth raising some eyebrows over and trading some players for. So it's it's really weird because it, especially in the playoffs, I hardly ever consider power plays just because like, right. they really happen. It's, it's a crapshoot, but it, it it does lead me to something like when you do get that rare power play, it can't just be. Nothing. Well, it we ha- saw you have to do something with it. They, we saw it two years ago against the Penguins. I think it was the game that I think it was the game Forsberg's goal was called back because of the centimeter offside, right? And yes, Nashville fans, I think, have a right to be upset with the ticky tackiness of that rule. I certainly was at the time, um, but then I believe they had five power play opportunities that game that they didn't convert on. And it's like okay, yeah. you can be upset about the goal they got called back, but you also had five opportunities. 
<laughs> you need Statistically to speaking, if you were a league average power play, you would score a goal out of those five power plays. I believe 20% is a pretty reasonable number to yeah. expect out of your power plays. So Nashville is oh. right now at 12.5%. <laughs> so they get about half a goal out of those five power I was, plays. I was shocked that the Sharks are at 25%, which I thought was awesome. They're fifth in the NHL. I, I thought think some teams typically are. I believe Tampa is number one, and I oh, think I'm Tampa, sure they're up to near thirty percent. Tampa Bay has the number one power play and, and the number, number one, one penalty, penalty kill. kill. I was kind of like, I'm surprised Tampa Bay didn't go for anyone, but you know what? They I'm don't not. Need it. I'm not. I'm not they're, surprised at all. They're a masterpiece. They don't need anything. Is this the best team we've ever seen in the South? You know what? Is this the best team we've ever seen ever? Like, it's, I think it's comfortably it's the best team I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I haven't yeah. been around very long. I'll admit, like. But it's, I would assume that even if you went back 10, 20 years, it's hard to argue with the team. Because you, you can't compare this team to, like, the Montreal Canadiens from, like, the 60s and 70s. Right. Because that's, hockey didn't really count. Like, the, there wasn't really anything there. If you were from some bullshit town in Quebec, like, you were going to play for the Canadians. Because <laughs> they had your rights. What's changed, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now, now it's Minnesota. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I I don't know, man. I I don't I don't think I've ever seen a team this good, which is surprising because like the 2009 Blackhawks were incredible. Yeah. The 2011 or I'm sorry, the 2012 uh, LA Kings were awesome. The 2011 Vancouver Canucks who didn't win the cup that year were one of the most skilled teams I've ever seen. Like to just cuz I like to talk about the 2011 Canucks so much. You'd think that they're the first team I ever saw that turned the cycle from a brute like force like we're six five and we're gonna cycle the puck to we're five eleven but we're so fast that we're gonna cycle yeah. it around you. There's nothing you can do to stop us. Which is really that is the current brand of hockey that is successful. I think. I mean, they changed like they changed the game. Like I, obviously that the Sedins are gonna be in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. but they should be more in our collective, I guess, psyche as far as hockey going yeah. forward. They deserve a lot of credit that they're not gonna get. And perhaps this Tampa team will get that credit because they're just, like, forcing themselves into the spotlight at an unbelievable rate. Well, just wait until Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky oh. comes in <laughs> on league minimum contracts. <laughs> I'd be all for it, honestly. It's like I, I have trouble seeing Nashville get out of the West right now, so I'm yeah. all, like, I'm a kind of a somewhat Tampa fan. I don't want to see Toronto win. I'm sorry. I just don't. Oh, really? Um, oh. I like the players. Yeah. I don't like the, the overall vibe. <laughs> I would like... The only way that I'd want Toronto to win is if they won and immediately Matthews is like, all right, I can go home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just like a real screw you. Yeah. Um, I, th- I guess the only way I would hope to... Or a Nylander to Sweden. Just. I don't know if I... like. Hypothetically speaking, if the, if the cup final is Toronto and Vegas. I'm, I'm going for Vegas. I, I want Mark Stone to win. Like that, yeah. Mark okay. Stone I and, and I like Max Pacioretty. I think he's been dumped on his entire career by Montreal. I like Jonathan Marchessault. I like more players on Vegas than I like. And you know Marc-Andre Fleury has never won anything. No. (laughs) (laughs) Poor guy. (laughs) He'll get there one day. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I'd have to pull for Vegas in that case. Yeah. But, I mean, Tampa's just, like, terrifying. They just... I've never seen a team just walk into every building and just dummy every other team. Like, even the games they lose, I'm shocked. Yeah. Like the the game that game, first game I ever took my girlfriend to in Nashville mm-hmm. was against Tampa, and Braden Point single handedly dummy like yes. the Preds and Pecorini held on for the win. And I say Pecorini because it didn't matter that there were five Predators out there with him. It was just him and Ned. Like, yeah. Uh, well, we've seen that many times. Yeah. 
Anyhow, uh, to close to close the trade section any, anyway, I think that both trades are not really important at five on five. Both trades are really hopefully designed to improve the power play, which is apparently now being coached by Dan Muse, which means that I have no idea what Kevin McCarthy is doing. I, th- I th- all I thought he was doing was collecting the paycheck. Point. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's, it's the so Mike Fisher. Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> it was Mike Fisher night the other day. It was. Yeah, Do you be like you think you'll go five just like hey man. I see you out there. Yeah. Just, jeez. Uh, anyway. But, uh, yeah, hopefully this power play starts improving. It's, it, I think it's, it's like sputtering. It's showing some signs of life. Um, it's, you know, it's been flatlined for all year, and now it's, you know, every 30 seconds maybe it's getting a little heartbeat, so. A power play this good, though. A power play with, with this group shouldn't be this bad, That's though. The- it's amazing, and I I will blame the coaching, and I have blamed the coaching all year because I refuse to believe that this group of players is responsible for something not being good, like to, to be that bad. But when you watch it, as soon as the opposing player sits down in the penalty box, it's like the Predators are six years old and they just met. It's unbelievable. <laughs> There's no chemistry. They cannot pass. Their passes are behind everyone. They They are like... Their butts are glued to the boards because they're they were, they're just trying to get so far away from the goal so they could just get passes off. But I, I don't know. I watched again like, the Edmonton game. I don't know. I mean, it's a little better with like Boyle in there, and he kind of creates a bit of chaos. Johansson just made. It's funny that how little Johansson moves during the power play. That's a problem. Yeah. I think he there's it's like kind of between the the right-hand corner in the face-off circle. He just kind of floats around there looking for that cross-seam pass, which is a good idea, but it's just so telegraphed every time. It's so slow that everyone knows it's mm. coming, and every slap shot from the point you see coming before, like three passes before it, you know it's coming, so everyone's in the way. So I don't even know. I don't know who to blame. I don't think anyone knows who to blame at this point. Do you think that, like, if I first talk to him, like, just be like, hey, maybe you shouldn't do this. Like, maybe you'd... I'm sure it's... And I have a feeling it's not just... There's free research. Effort. There's free research on the internet that's like, hey, that's, that's not good. That's what drives me crazy. Is you and I are clowns, and we can find this information and um, actually talk me. about it. Yes, I'm I mean, speaking for both of you. high school coach. <laughs> I, I am not a clown. My team my team just went six and two. Oh, man. You think I heard you got in trouble for language. <laughs> Yeah, that may have been the case. Uh, I would I'd, get I'd get in trouble for language every week. Yeah, I don't. One of the kids snitched on me because we were in the locker room and there was no other parent or coach in the locker room. Yeah, so you know you got snitched. So yeah, someone. So I just wanted to like I I ran practice last night. And there was no other coaches, and I just wanted to like, all right, we're skating until someone tells yeah. me. <laughs> but you know, I did that. I instead use use my time correctly. Oh, that's fantastic. We worked on skills and. Good. Positioning. That's so funny, though. I wish you would bag skate until <laughs> yes. someone cracks. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, playoff chances? you think they've been imp- impacted significantly by these trades? No, they're, they're going to make the playoffs. I mean... Sorry, the, I, don't, I, don't mean, the I don't mean chance of making the playoffs. I mean, oh, probably, right. you know, once you get to the playoffs, what's going to happen? I don't know. I mean, I don't really... Who are they going to play in, like, that first round? It's either going to be Dallas or Colorado, like... I hope it's Dallas. Like... I don't even, maybe I don't. I don't know. Dallas and Nashville are like a masterpiece of a matchup in terms of exciting hockey. It's such a good matchup. Neither team just wants to play defense, and I, saw, and I don't know why. And like Colorado's hugely one-dimensional, but I mean, we like Nashville played really well against them the other night and lost 5 nothing. So <laughs> what can you even say about that? Off of a very bad goal from Pecorine. Yeah, I thought it was when McKinnon scored twice from the same spot. 
I, I mean, thought, it was I a good shot, but I didn't think it was. It wasn't that good of a shot. I was surprised. I mean, I'm not surprised when people disagree with me because I rec- like I'm just used to it, right? People disagree with me a lot. Yeah. But shocking. When they lost five nothing, like to Colorado, I was like, never. I never once thought the National looked bad. Yeah. They had players that made mistakes, but or as a team, I thought they were much better. And that all like with the scoreboard, I'm not. I can understand that the general consensus was that they played like shit. I'm like. It's just not what I saw, but I guess people, you know, you see a 5 nothing, and you, there's really no other way to look at it, I guess. Yeah. If the playoffs, well, it, it's so tough to talk about if the playoffs end right now. The Predators have played 65 games. The yeah. Jets and Blues and Dallas have played 62. Minnesota and Colorado have played 63. If the Predators were to finish right now, they play uh, Dallas in the in the first or the second wild card spot. Oh, I'm sorry, the first wild, the better wild card spot. Uh, I don't necessarily... I think Winnipeg got better with that Kevin Hayes play. I think he's a second-line center. I think he's bonafide, and him and Chris Kreider were really good together. I think that I think that he is not as good as Statsny, but he has other areas where he could be just as good as Statsny. Uh, and that's a little terrifying to look at because Patrick Laine came alive when, when Statsy was there. Um, I really don't want to play St. Louis. Like, I know they're playing them right now at 0-0, but the Predators are getting dummied. Like, this is yeah, really... Yeah, Saros first to the Blues. Also, they got stomped by them two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Back, back-to-back games. Which, even if the even if the Blues get league average goaltending, which, you know, a regression to the means probably... Well, con- considering right now they are getting regression yes. to the mean. Like, I I don't know. I I don't want to play that team at all, at all. Like, they just, all four lines are rolling. Their prospects have finally stepped up. Like They got hot at the right time. Rob Thomas looks really good. I, we'll see what happens with, like, I think it's Klim Klimchuk or uh, one of the one of their players in the HL looks really good, too. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little scared of the Blues, which is not something I expected to say. No. Considering their entire roster was for sale three yeah. months ago, <laughs> two months ago. Vladimir, I, we talked about Vladimir Tarasenko, would look, but it looked great on the Preds. Pareko. Oh, oh, baby. <laughs> yeah, right now it is the end of the second period. I know we don't like to do in-game yeah, stats no. on, on this, but the Predators have a 37.88 Corsi forward percentage, a 34.38 oh, shot, shot share, and then have four high-danger chances compared to the Blues, nine. All at five on five, and we yeah. adjust for or when we say everything, ah, oh, it gets a little better. Yeah, so they've had two two, two high danger chances on the power play. Wayne Ooh. Simmons, <laughs> I don't know, man. I I really don't want to play the Blues. I mean, who knows? The Magic could like it, it, the clock could strike midnight. Yeah, before, but when it's a first round series and everyone's healthy and everyone has that like couple days of rest. I don't know, man. I don't want to. I don't want to mess with that at all. There's really not anyone in the central that I want Nashville to play. Eh, I don't. It, you play Minnesota. Well, yeah, but <laughs> the Kevin Fiala revenge story. Jeez, oh, the half the Predators scratches revenge story. <laughs> that's. I mean, that's a movie right there. That is. Anthony Boteto watches every game for the <laughs> press box, and then he gets traded to the crap team and wins. We've seen that one. Otherwise, uh, Dallas. I mean, I don't. I never. I try not to bet against Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn and Alexander Radulov, but I wouldn't hate playing them. I'd rather play. I think I'd rather play Dallas than pretty much anyone. 
I'd rather play Minnesota. But well, yeah. sorry. I'm, I'm just, as always, completely ignoring Minnesota. Yeah. They just, yeah. they go in one ear, out the other. Yeah. Which is worse than being terrible, in my opinion. I almost wonder if, you know, this crossed my mind. I wonder if Minnesota fans would be happier about it if he wasn't wearing, if y'all wasn't wearing 22. They hold that Nita Nita Rider oh, number yeah. quite sacred. And for Fiala, 22-year-old Kevin Fiala to roll in and just take it, yeah, I think that upset them. After That's he, why he had to be traded. He had no respect. He didn't respect the system. There might be something to that. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. I would. I don't want to play St. Louis in the first round. I don't want to play Dallas. I don't really care about Minnesota or Colorado. What do you think about Calgary? I know they're not in the Central, obviously. I, I don't know. But I don't know what to make of Calgary because, like, Johnny Boudreau is amazing and Sean Monaghan's fine and Elias Lindholm is fine and... After that, I really like uh, Kachuk, but Marchi yeah, Ardana is a, a Norris winner, in yeah. my opinion. I think you're you're not alone there. I think he's kind of the front runner right now. Mm. But I don't. Do you trust David Riddich? I don't trust. I just do don't you, trust Calgary. I mean, do you trust Jordan Bennington? Like a, a yeah. lot of these questions are the same, and they've gotten some really good goaltending when they might not deserve to, but. You also got to wonder, like, is Martin Jones going to play this bad for the rest of his career, or is he going to rebound to a above nine hundred goaltender? Well, they, who did they pick up? They picked up a goaltender. Recently. No, they didn't. I thought they picked up Anaheim's. Nope, they were they were rumors too, but uh, oh, supposedly I thought that was a done deal. No, that would have been a really good deal. Yeah. No. Yeah, I. Why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Brian Miller. Miller, thank you. I was like, obviously it's not Gibson. I was really, I was really ticked off when. When they picked up uh, Nyquist over Jimmy Howard, because I was like, "Oh, Jimmy Howard would look good." And when your deal, like that's what they need. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Now I really don't want to play Vegas though. So right, it's the, like the Predators have or the Predators have one game have played one more game than Vegas and Calgary, and they lost it four one tonight, and they're five points back of of Calgary, but they're also like eleven points ahead of Vegas, <laughs> and Vegas is only well. For the next is six points ahead of the next Pacific team. It's there's some ugly, ugly teams out there right now. Yeah, oh, so. the, the West Coast. Someone's gonna get into the to the Western Pacific or the Western race with like a negative goal differential. Oh, the West, the Western Conference comparatively this year is hilarious. Yeah. Which is funny because they're like the big team isn't even there. Like the big team is in arguably the two biggest teams are in are in the Eastern Conference yeah. with Toronto and Tampa. Right, but that's yeah, it's fun. it's kind of sad. I mean, I. Imagine it's frustrating to be like a a fringe team in the East and just look and be, you'd be like third overall in your division, <laughs> <laughs> second overall in your division in the West. But I th- I mean I goaltending like the playoffs are silly like goaltending is just the number one factor. But yeah. I feel like no Do you one. Get a save? I feel like no one can beat Tampa. I mean, so many weapons. What are they going to? Like, they're they're going to average like four shots or like twenty shots a game against Tampa. They're just yeah. going to control it. It's, yeah. Okay, so right now, Nikita Kucherov has 101 points. <laughs> At this moment in time, the Tampa Bay Lightning have 100 points. Wow. Who so finishes with more points, yeah. Michael? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I would say Tampa because I feel like surely the... Oh, yeah, you get two points for every win. Yeah. But, but you also get, if you're Tampa Bay, if you're Kucherov, you get oh my you, you can score three points and lose. I was blown away. Every year, I think, that Stan, well, the, I guess... Samkos wasn't healthy two years ago, so last year and this year, I'm just absolutely blown away by that product, the production in Tampa. Yeah, I mean, and they kind of quietly do it. I mean, they're obviously like yeah, they don't get a, they don't get a ton of buzz. Yeah. weirdly enough, I'm just gonna look at their at like their regular season like scoring this year. Yeah. 
Uh, Brandon Point, 79 points in 61 games. Steven Stamkos really letting us down with 75 points in 63 games. I mean, come on. Although it is a little curious. Outside of those three, the next highest is Tyler Johnson with 38 points in 61 games. And then Yanni Gord is 38. Hedman is 37. TJ Miller is 35. Remember when people were talking about how great it was that the Predators had like three players with plus 10 mm-hmm. goals or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. I remember because the, the day that that set came out, the set came out about the Sharks. That was like four. I think it was four players had 10 goals with, with the Preds. And it was four players with the Sharks had, had 20 goals. And I was like, oh, that's kind of nice. I remember feeling the pit in my stomach. Now they have one, two, three, four with the... Yeah, four players have... Well, yeah, four, one, two, three, four. Four players have more than 20 goals with the with the Bolt. And I, I imagine they're probably going to finish with five or six. It's just ridiculous. This will put, put it into perspective because Arvidsson is Nashville's big... In terms of points per 60, Arvidsson is like the big name in yeah. Nashville right now. And, and even in the league, he's... He's scoring. I don't remember what it is, but it's more. It's like more goals per sixty than pretty much anyone. Yeah, doesn't surprise but me. But here's the thing: Arvidsson has thirty five points in forty one games. Kucherov has played twenty more games. Mm-hmm. He scored three times as many points. <laughs> <laughs> it's just silly. Like it's ridiculous. It's, and it's, Ryan Johansson leads the Predators right now with fifty three points. What which Braden is Point, good. Braden Point was in third with seventy five. Second with seventy five. So, oh my gosh. Third point, third place was or was uh, Stamkos with seventy three, yeah. Which I mean, what a slacker! Oh my gosh, yeah, that's just like, uh, it's just so hard to think. If you got to think if like, if any, there's any predictability at all based on their performance, surely Tampa's just going to run it. I mean, Will they be the, uh, the first ever sixteen game Stanley Cup champion? I don't know. That that'd be <laughs> Sweep insane. their whole way. I would cheer. Well, I would cheer so hard. Do you know what that. team got close to it or got closest to it? I don't. Take a guess. I can guarantee you're wrong. Yeah, it's San Jose. San Jose hasn't won the cup. <laughs> Why would you guess that? Did you just do that to hurt me? No, I thought you meant who got closest to winning 16 straight. No. Not necessarily who got no, closest I want to you, winning I want you to guess who won the cup in 16 games or, or closest. Closest to... I don't know. Chicago? No. The LA Kings in 2012 and 2013. When they had, uh, I think they had 18. They lost their yeah. first two games to Vancouver, and we're just like, oh not doing that again. Oh, geez, the Blues just came a centimeter away from scoring off the post and down. Yeah. If, right. if the uh, Tampa Bay, is the playoffs were to start today, Tampa Bay would take on Columbus, which I can oh. imagine they'd be like, no, please, anyone but you. Surely, like, so that, okay, so that means Columbus is in the last... Yeah, yeah the worst well, spot. So they have to win to get out of that situation. I was like, surely, you know, just, they just lose some games and help out? No, <laughs> they have to win games to get out of that. Just just imagine, well, what's the difference between the Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning, the two leading, the two leading <laughs> teams in the, in the East? Is it 30 points? It's 21 points. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Pittsburgh's not even in a playoff spot right now. No, I think they're a point out. Or, no, they're tied for for third in the Metropolitan, and they're in the first wild card spot. Okay, so they must have, I guess they won. I also, like, if you told me the Pittsburgh Penguins were going to go all the way this year, I'd be like, yeah, okay. I, I guess that yeah, well, makes sense. It's never, you know, it's kind of like the Patriots winning the Super Bowl. It's like, even if they're not the team everyone's talking about, it's always very much a possibility. Yeah. All right, that's enough talking about Tampa. I think, well, yeah, we... And, and pretty much anything. Well, do you want to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes? 
Well, we can mention that they are, what do they win, 7-1 tonight against Los Angeles? Yeah, and they, uh, I think they have their first 70-point player in since, like, 2011 in Sebastian. Sebastian, Lano. I don't know. That's yeah. a fun, fun team. That's a fun, fun team. Fun yeah. on the ice. Yeah. Fun after the game. Fun off the ice with the merchandise. Bunch of jerks. Bunch of jerks. You seen a, You saw a bunch of jerks. Yeah, sure, in my, your building. In my building, yeah. Nashville, Tennessee. Apparently, well, the only state they hadn't sold a sh- one of the shirts was Wyoming, yeah. which I'm sure they have by now because they called it out. Does anyone live in Wyoming? No. I think there's a, there's a theory much like that Finland is not a real place, but actually <laughs> Wyoming is not a real place. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to go to Wyoming. The earth is flat. How hard is it to walk over there and check? <laughs> <laughs> we probably just alienated half our family. Yes. Well, Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, well... Tell uh, me where we can find your stuff. You can find me on Twitter at GeorgeM1019. Um, or you can find me on Twitter. I'll have my full write-up of the Simmons article, which, you know, won't be everything that we said today, although it mostly will be. I yeah. kind of summarized it really well. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I do say so myself. I kind <laughs> yeah, of did yeah. that very well. Also, I want to just give a quick shout-out. Rest in peace, Corsica. Uh, yeah. We hardly yes. knew you. If you, I encourage everyone that has access to a computer to go look up Corsica. Just you know, Corsica.hockey. See what see what's left of it. See what's left. It's a disgusting mess. I uh yeah I told you this. I downloaded all of their data. Oh yeah. Like he he, he Manny tweeted like taking Corsica down indefinitely. I don't know what set him off. Um, it was funny though because you were I bet so what happened was you texted me that morning. You were like Corsica's down again. You know, well, it's down again, basically, yeah. is your tone. And I'm sure that a lot of people were complaining to him about it, and then mm-hmm. he just had a bit of a temper tantrum and said, okay, fine, I'm taking it down, because he's Manny. kind of like that. <laughs> Never. Anyway, so as soon as he tweeted that he was taking it down, definitely, I just went on there and downloaded everything. So yeah, that's smart. It's still, like, two weeks old now, but I feel like that's still usable enough. It was usable enough for my trade yeah. stuff. I've been I've been using Evolving Wild and, or Evolving Hockey, and they're good. I've they're really it. good. I've been using Evolving Hockey a lot more, too. Their website doesn't crash on me, which is just... Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. But uh that was always interesting. Yeah. And I'm sure Core School will be back any minute. I don't know. How long was it down previously? It's gone it's like well, even when Manny's gone down, like Corsica stayed up. Okay. Like I don't I don't know. This is unprecedented. Well was it, this is Corsica too, right? Yeah. So there was like an original I just wonder but what it, the gap was between Supposedly it was like a remodel more so than uh, okay. Then I'm done with this. <laughs> I'm done with you. Such bucks. an interesting guy. <laughs> All right, uh, as for me, you can find me, of course, on Penalty Bucks Radio, which reminds me that you're, of course, listening to Between the Fangs podcast. That's for you, Brian. Uh, Last-minute introduction. Of course, listening to Between the Fangs podcast, brought to you by Penalty Bucks Radio and all of our wonderful sponsors, with your hosts, George Matarangas and myself, Michael Wade, uh, who you can find on Penalty Bucks Radio or at wadem117 on Twitter.com. Wadem. Which I... I guess I would keep my handle. I, I thought if I should probably change my name to Mikhail, <laughs> Mikhail Wade. Mikhail Wade. Uh, in honor of our newest member, but um, I guess my, my handle would still be Wade M, so yeah. Wade M. Wade M forever. And thank you very, very much for listening, and <laughs> we will talk to you soon.